You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Our theme for the entire year of 2020 has been souls. Miss Grace designed for us back in December. We presented it in January, but it's a, uh, a banner similar to this with the scene of a harvest field. Our verses for the year have been Matthew 9, verses 36 through 38. And I would like to challenge us this morning and this evening that I believe that as a church, I, I believe it's true for our church because I know it's true for me, but I believe we need to push the reset button. And I believe that every Christian that is here this morning, I believe we need to reevaluate on what really matters in life. Did you know there's a lot of distractions all around us? I think about just in these last few months, I'll tell you what has been everywhere you turn on every news and every newspaper and every website, it has been the coronavirus. And I think the coronavirus is something that people should be concerned about. And obviously we've taken steps and all of that. But can I tell you, there's something more important at Victory Baptist Church than a coronavirus. If you've seen in the news recently, uh, you have seen that there are parts of our country that have been uh, faced with riots and looting and buildings destroyed and police officers under attack. And first of all, I think you know where I stand on all that. That's a bunch of nonsense right there. And uh, I wish that as a country, I wish we'd get back to law. That's an amazing concept, law and order. That's, that's a good thing to have. Uh, let all things be done decently and in order. You got to have laws. You got to have order. But that's not the most important thing going on in our country. I'll tell you something else that's going on. It's going on in just a few weeks. It's an election. And we have a presidential election. And we have elections for our government leaders and for our officials. And by the way, it's important. And we talked about it a lot last week. And we'll talk about it in the weeks ahead. I believe every Christian ought to get out and every Christian ought to vote. I believe every Christian ought to pray. I believe every Christian ought to be a light for righteousness and for holiness and for godliness in this country. But I'm going to preach this morning about something more important than an election. And I believe this election may be the most important election this country has ever faced. But what we're talking about this morning is more important than an election. What we're talking about this morning is more important than the economics. It's more important than the stock market. It's more important than the sports. And I'll tell you, if we've ever seen a nation that has been overrun and overruled by sports and, and basketball and football and baseball and all that, it's this country. It's become a God to many people in this country. But what I'm going to talk to you about is more important than a sport. It's more important than a hobby. It's more important than anything on earth, and that is the subject of souls. You see, every person, man, woman, boy, or girl, doesn't matter if you're listening and you're in your 80s or 90s, or if you're listening and you're still in single digits, doesn't matter. Every person has a soul, and every soul one day will die and will spend forever either in heaven or in hell. 
I've preached, it seems like, a lot in these last few weeks and months, a lot of funerals. And at almost every funeral, of course, I will make a statement like this. I'll say, I'm glad that I stand before you today, and I tell you that heaven is a real place. And I'm glad that heaven is real. Aren't you glad? Not only is heaven real, but heaven's getting sweeter all the time. But heaven is a real place. It's not our imagination. It's not something that a church came up with to try to make people feel good. Heaven is not a myth. Heaven is not uh, something that somebody dreamed up one day and said, let's, let's write a lot of songs about this. Let's preach a lot of sermons about this. That'll be kind of make people feel good. Oh, no. Heaven is a real place. The mansions that the Millers just sang about, those mansions are real. They're real mansions that are made of gold and streets that are paved with gold and gates of pearl. And I'm glad there's going to be no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more death. And while I stand here this morning and I tell you with 100% confidence that heaven is real, I also stand here with that same confidence and tell you that hell is also real. Jesus preached more about hell in his earthly ministry than he did about heaven. Hell is a real place where people go, not because they're bad people, not because they're a heathen people, not because they're godless and wicked, but hell is a place where people go because they do not accept the gift of eternal life, because they say no to Jesus and the price that he paid on the cross. I want you to notice in this passage, Jesus, verse number 35, Jesus was concerned about people going to heaven or people going to hell. That's why verse 35, it says that he went about all the cities and villages. Now, I, I've read that verse so many times and so have you. But I want you to think about the importance of that verse. Jesus went to all cities. He went to the big ones and he went to the small ones. He went to the cities that were important and the cities that were influential and he went to the cities that nobody had ever heard of. I have lived now, my wife and I, we've been in this part of North Carolina for six and a half years and I am still discovering, if you want to call them cities, Dots on the map. There's a sign. It says it's a city. There's not really anybody there except for a couple houses here or there. But there are cities in this area of North Carolina that some of you probably still don't even know exist. Guess what? They're important to Jesus. You say, well, what about the capital? What about, uh, what about Raleigh? What about the big cities like Charlotte? Yeah, Jesus went to those cities too. But he went to all cities and he went to all villages. I'm glad that Jesus is no respecter of persons. Jesus went to preach to everybody. He went to the old and he went to the young. He went to the rich and he went to the poor. He went to the uh, influential and he went to those who were down and out. I'm glad that Jesus came to my city. When I was a boy, I'm glad that Jesus not only came to my city, but I'm glad he came to my house. I'm glad he came and he passed by 229 Victory Street, Rockford, Illinois, where I bowed my head in my parents' bedroom and my dad led me to Christ as a boy. 
As soon as I got saved, I went up the stairs. It was a split-level house, and the bedrooms were down in the lower level. I went up the stairs, and my mom was there in the living room. And I told my mom, I said, Mom, I just got saved. I'm so glad that Jesus saved a boy in Rockford, Illinois. I'm glad that he didn't pick and choose cities, and he didn't pick and choose people. I'm glad that Jesus came, and he went to all the cities and all the villages, teaching in their synagogues. You know, Jesus went to the religious too. Sometimes we think, well, so-and-so, they go to church, or so-and-so, I think they're religious, or so-and-so, they seem to be a good person. I don't care how long you've been a church member. I don't care how many times you've gotten baptized. I don't care how many uh, uh, choir specials you've sung. I don't care how many offices you've held in a church. I want to tell you, a person must be saved before they go to heaven. You may be in church today. You may be listening online or listening on the radio. And maybe you're counting on your church membership. I got news for you. Nobody's ever gone to heaven because of church membership. There's only one way, and that is by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He is the only way. He is the only truth, and he is the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Jesus. Notice he was teaching. Notice what he was preaching. He was preaching politics. Oh, no, no, he wasn't preaching politics. He was preaching motivational speeches. No, he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Can I tell you, the only thing that is worth preaching is the gospel. The only thing that is worth preaching is the word of God. People's ideas may change. People's ideas may be wrong. How many of you know you've talked to a family member and and hopefully not immediate family, but you've got a family member and they are cuckoo. I mean, they've lost, you know what that word means, right? I don't think that's a bad word. I hope it's not. We used to say it growing up. So if it's a bad word, I'll blame my mom. But you've got a family member and they are loony. I mean, they're cuckoo. They they have lost their minds, but they are convinced 100% that what they're telling you is true. Well, you know why? Because sometimes people are wrong. You're, you're, I know you're going to be very surprised, but I'm a pastor and I've been wrong. As a matter of fact, I've been wrong a lot. Anybody else in here, you've ever been wrong before in your life? All right, you better have your hand up. I'm going to start calling on you. And we're going to get people to start testifying about the times you've been wrong. And we're going to start with your wife. No, 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 we won't do that, fellas. But you know, our, our ideas are sometimes wrong. Our philosophies change. I've said it so many times, but I'm amazed in politics how the same politician give a speech, and four years ago, they were saying one thing, and now they're saying a different thing. Or eight years ago, or 12 years ago, or 40 years ago, or whatever. People change, but I'm glad the Bible does not change, and the gospel remains the same. Jesus was teaching and he was preaching the gospel. But notice next, it goes beyond that. It says that he was healing every sickness and every disease among the people. We have talked about this before with our first responders, but I don't know if we've really given the credit that we should to uh, those in the healthcare industry, those doctors and nurses and those who work in our hospitals and work in our nursing homes. But can I tell you, you have to be a special person to be able to work every single day with people that are sick, people that are diseased. Uh, Every week of my life before COVID, I would visit in the nursing homes 
And I love visiting our members, and I love going to see them, and I'd try to go cheer them up, and you know what would happen. They would cheer me up. But every time I'd leave one of those uh, nursing homes or extended care, I'd always think, you know, I love visiting our people, and I'm thankful I get to do it. But I don't know how people, how they work there every single day, day in and day out. Uh, God has given them a heart for it. God has given them a, a, a calling for that. But you know what Jesus did? He went looking for the sick people. He went looking for the people that were outcasts and the people that had been pushed out of town and those people that were sick and diseased. And you know why Jesus did that? Because he loved them. Because he cared about them. But I want you to notice, he cared for the spiritual needs. He cared for the physical needs. But notice the order. Number one, he ministered to the spiritual needs of people. And you know why Jesus ministered to the spiritual needs first? Because a person may be sick. And a person may be sick or diseased and they may die. And a person may live to be 50, 60, uh, 70 years old. And that's a long time. But that's nothing compared to eternity. And if a person does not know Jesus Christ as Savior, it doesn't matter how healthy they are. Doesn't matter how comfortable their life is. Doesn't matter how many cars they have in the in the park in the uh, driveway or how big the house is. None of that matters if you do not know Christ. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world, but he loses his own soul? Jesus went first to the spiritual needs to preach the gospel to make sure that people knew for sure that they were heaven bound. Luke nineteen ten. The Bible says, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. We have in the last six months, we've dealt with it here at our church and every family, every business, every person in our country has been affected with the uh, ramifications of the coronavirus. I was looking this last week and I think as of Friday or maybe it was yesterday, but as of a few days ago, there had been 198,000 people in the United States that have died with COVID. And of course, that's you, sometimes you don't know how much of it was COVID, how much was other, but that's according to their statistics, 198,000. It's a lot of people. The population of the United States is 328 million people. That means if you do the math that there has been one out of every 1,656 people in the United States, one out of every 1,656 people that has died and have had uh, coronavirus as part of the cause. Now, that's not a huge percent. Obviously, 198,000 people, that's still a lot of people, and one person would be too many. But I want you to think about these percentages. Did you know that 100% of every person in this room, 100% of every person that's listening on the radio or watching online, 100%, not uh, uh, 0.06%, but 100% of every person alive today will stand before God. I didn't say one in 10. I didn't say one in a hundred or one in a thousand, but 100% will stand before God. If Jesus does not come back before that time, every one of us in this room, we will die. 
And when we die, the Bible says, it's appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. We will stand before God and we will give an account. Can I tell you, when you stand before God, it's not going to matter how much money is in the bank account. It's not going to matter how big the boat is. It's not going to matter how fancy the car is. It's not going to matter how many degrees you have. It's not going to matter how many friends you had on Facebook. It's not going to matter how popular you were in the community. It's not going to matter how many miles you could run. It's not going to matter uh, how much hair you had. Thank the Lord for that. It's not going to matter how young you were or how old you are. What's going to matter is whether or not you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. And that's why Jesus came. You say, well, Pastor, how does that relate to us? It relates to us because we are a church. And God has given the church the Great Commission. He's given us the responsibility to carry that gospel to every creature. God has given us the responsibility to reach souls while there is still time. I want you to notice verse number 36. The Bible says that Jesus, he was uh, going to every city and every village and he was teaching and preaching and healing. But then in verse 36, something happened. It says when he, what's the next word? Saw. When Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. I want you to see very quickly, number one, we as God's people, if we're going to be concerned with souls, number one, we must see. We've got to open our eyes. I asked the early service, and I, I, it's, it's, as a pastor, I take responsibility for this, but we have not had missions trips in, since I've been here, and uh, Brother Dan and I, we've talked about it, and we've talked to some missionaries, and we need to put something together for a missions trip. But I have heard so many people say that when you go on a missions trip, it changes you forever. Because you go on that trip and you, you see the people. You see the needs. That's why we have missionaries that come. We'll announce sometimes on a Sunday, hey, we've got a missionary coming Wednesday or this week. We've got a missions revival. We want you to come. And what we're doing is we're bringing the missionaries to us. We're asking them to show their video, to share their burden, because we want to see the world like it really is. We want to see the world as souls in need of salvation. I was telling the early service, I remember I was, I'd been here at the church for maybe a year or so, and I remember we were out soul winning one day, and, we, and we've gone to every city in our, our county and the next county over, and, and we still do. We're going out now, we're blitzing, and we're uh, getting the gospel out. But I remember being on a street, and I won't tell you which street it is, and I won't tell you which area it is, but we were on a street. And as I was walking down that street with my partner, I just I looked around at where we were, and some of you, unless you work in law enforcement, perhaps, you probably don't even realize that there's some of these areas that exist. But there was a street we were walking down, and I told my partner, I said, if we took pictures, and we posted these pictures, and we didn't tell anybody where in the world we were, I said, I promise you, almost everybody that saw those pictures would think we're in a third world country because of the condition of how some people were living. 
and because of the condition of the homes and the condition of, 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 of what people lived in and what they lived with and how the people lived, it, you say, oh, that is awful right here. Yeah, but you know what that means? It means the mission field is right across the street. That means the mission field is right around the corner. And the mission field is not just people that maybe live in poor conditions. The mission field is those who live in mansions. The mission field is every creature. The mission field is every single person. People need the Lord everywhere you go. And Jesus saw the multitudes. I want you to notice that word multitudes. That word indicates not only that there were a lot of people, but that word also, it indicates that these people were common, ordinary everyday people. These were not princes. These were not rulers. These were not people that had a lot of money. These were just ordinary people. But those were the people. When Jesus saw, he was moved with compassion on them. Jesus began to weep and Jesus became broken and Jesus became burdened, but he first had to see where they were. He first had to see the needs that they had. Jeremiah said in Lamentations, he said, my eye affects my heart. These were people that fainted. They were weary. They were exhausted. They were stressed out. These people fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Can I tell you what Victory Baptist Church needs on this day of Mission Sunday? We need a spiritual eye examination. I wear, as you can tell, I wear glasses and you can be very thankful that I wear glasses because if I did not wear glasses, I could not read the clock on the back wall. Some of you think I can't read it anyway, but I can with glasses when I look at it. But I remember when I was uh, growing up and, and it's not my parents' fault. I just, I didn't realize it. I just thought that's the way everybody saw. And I was playing little league baseball and uh, I'll tell you, I, I don't mean to brag, especially from behind the pulpit, um, but I was pretty good on that Little League team. Uh, as a matter of fact, there was one season where I passed more cups of water down the bench than anybody else on the whole team, let me tell you. Not only that, I, there was one season I got an award because I never even let one drop of water spill as I was. I mean, I was really, I was something else in Little League. But um, I was playing Little League, and I don't know how this happened. I honestly, to this day, I don't know how this happened. I think they felt sorry for me. But the coach told me, he said, Jeremy, he said, we've nominated you and one of the guy on our team. You're going to go to the all-star team to represent us. And I thought, well, maybe the all-star team needs a good, you know, water boy. I didn't know, you know, but he said, you're going to the all-star game. Now, that would have been a good time for you to ooh and ah and, you know, really act impressed. Some of you are still staring at me like you don't believe it. I'm telling the truth now. They asked me to go to the All-Star game, and this was the first time that in Little League, this was the first time that we would play under the lights. We were big stuff. I mean, we were playing a night game under the lights. I normally played first base in Little League. That was my position. But on the all-star team, they had a couple other guys that played first base. And so they said, could you play outfield? I'm like, can I play outfield? I'm just glad to play anywhere if I'm not on the bench. And so they put me out in the outfield and I'm out in this outfield and, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm watching, I'm watching the game and the batter gets up and he hits the ball. And you know, you can tell when the ball's hit, you can kind of tell the direction it's going. 
And so I see it, and I, I see it's coming towards me, and I see it until it hits the lights. And after it hits the lights, I had no idea where it was. Now, that's a dangerous situation because you're out here with a glove looking like a crazy person and knowing that bull's coming at you, but you don't know where it is. You say, well, why don't you dodge it? I couldn't see it. Otherwise, I would have. Well, actually, if I would have seen it, I would have caught it. And I'm standing out there and the, the, the coaches and the team, they are hooping and hollering. Jeremy, catch the ball. And I'm thinking, I would just like to see the ball. I'd be happy with that. And I'm standing out there and the ball dropped somewhere or whatever. And it was really strange. After that inning, they put me in the infield. It was wild how all that works. You know, they pulled me out of the outfield. But I couldn't see it. And so after that, my mom and dad, they said, Jeremy, we got to get your eyes checked. And so they took me to the eye doctor and I, I, got, I got glasses. This was, I guess this was fourth or fifth grade. And I'll never forget, you're, you're going to laugh at this, unless you've ever been like this, you'll say, no, we know what you're talking about. I got those glasses and I came out of that optometrist office with the glasses for the first time. I couldn't believe it. I could read signs. Those signs actually had words on them. I had no idea. I'll, I'll never forget this. I could see the individual blades of grass. I didn't know you could see individual blades of grass. I just saw this big green blob, you know? That's, I mean, you don't say, your eyes were bad. Oh, you have no idea. But you know what was amazing? Is when you can see things, it changes everything. And for God's people... When we start seeing people like Jesus sees people, it changes everything. It changes our priorities. It changes our plans. It changes our projects. It changes our passions. Everything changes when we see people the way that Jesus sees people. I want you to notice Jesus saw the multitudes and secondly, and I'll, I'll close with this, and we'll finish probably tonight. Jesus saw the multitudes, and he saw that they were scattered. That word scattered, it means they had no direction. They had no purpose. They were just wandering around with no one to show them, no one to help them, and no one to lead them. We use the terminology today that Jesus used in Luke 19.10, but we would say about these people that were scattered abroad, we would say that they were lost. And can I tell you, that's a scary word. It's scary to be lost. It's scary to be lost maybe out on a highway. It's scary to be lost maybe out in the woods. or uh, it's, it's, it's awful to be scared out in uh, the wilderness. Unless you're Brother Curry or Brother Gabriel, then you'll be in good shape. But the rest of us, that's a bad thing to be lost but it's an awful thing to be lost forever. It's an awful thing to be lost with no hope, with no direction, with no purpose, and with no chance of help. And that's how people are without Jesus. And that's how people are until we go and share the good news with them. And people are lost and people do not have direction. They do not have purpose. And without Christ, when they die, they will spend eternity in a place called hell. 
The Bible tells us in the book of Luke, there was a rich man and there was Lazarus. The rich man, of course, he, the Bible says he fared sumptuously. He had it all together. He had it all figured out. He had the best of the best. And Lazarus was a beggar. He laid outside of this rich man's gate and he was full of sores, probably leprosy. And the Bible says that both of these men died. And the Bible says that the rich man died and he opened his eyes and he was in hell. Lazarus died, and the Bible says he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The Bible says that that rich man, he cried out, and he cried out to Abraham. And he saw Abraham, and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and just send somebody to, to comfort me from these flames. And Abraham said, there's a great ball fix. We can't go back and forth. Once you're there, you're there. You, you can't escape hell. There is no such thing as purgatory. There is no such thing as uh, getting prayed out of hell. Once a person dies without Christ, there's no more hope. That's why we must reach them and see them saved while we can, while there is time. But then the rich man, out of desperation, he said, Father Abraham, would you please send Lazarus? Now, he was the leper. He was the beggar. He was filthy. He was somebody that, 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 that the rich man would avoid and, and he, he'd let Lazarus pick out of his trash, but he'd never, never touch him. He'd never let him come to his table. And now that rich man says, Father Abraham, would you please send Lazarus? Would you just have him dip his finger in water and come and cool my tongue? Now I'll tell you folks, I've been thirsty in my life, but I have never been that thirsty. I've never been so thirsty to say, I'd like somebody uh, with some awful, terrible disease to put their finger in water and come over and let a drop fall on my tongue. But that's how tormented Laz uh, uh, the rich man was in hell. He said, if Lazarus would come and just dip a, a little bit of water on my tongue, I'd be happy for now. And that rich man is still crying out. And that rich man is still begging for mercy. But that rich man is still lost and will be for all of eternity in hell. You say, how come? Because he did not put his trust in Jesus. He did not accept the free gift of salvation. For that rich man, it's too late. But it's not too late for you. It's not too late for those who are watching. It's not too late for those who are listening. God has given you an opportunity. It's your choice. For those of us who are here who have been saved, God's given us an opportunity. He's given us an opportunity to share the gospel. He's given us the opportunity to send some missionaries. He's given us the opportunity to pray for missionaries and to pray for God's people to get stirred about the one thing that matters most to God. And that is souls. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.